Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 106 of UAB Green and Told, original release Monday, September 11th, 2023. Our podcast allows us the opportunity to share stories from members of the UAB community. Check out all of our previous episodes by visiting alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold, Spotify, or the Apple Podcast app. And while you're there, leave a written review so more alums can listen in. I'm Greg Berry, a UAB alum and director of communications in the Office of Alumni Affairs. Look at the roster of any Division I football team, and you'll find offensive lines littered with talent and tonnage. The guys in the trenches not only tower over us considered average size, they are massive mountains of men who have to open gaping holes for running backs and protect QBs from menacing defenders. Today's guest, Matt McCants, is one of those guys. But despite getting drafted into the NFL and playing for a handful of teams, as he'll share, growing up, playing football wasn't an option. I was always uh, asked to come play and you know, I always had to have the same answer. You know, my mom, she doesn't want me to play. She's afraid I'm going to get hurt. While he'd eventually convince his mom to let him play, his road to getting on the field took a bit longer. And when it happened, it was an experience he'll never forget. I didn't even know what my helmet was. You know, I hadn't played in some games. and I had no idea. And I was in the band and I, I just really never had no idea of playing. And I was thrust into that action. Matt's story is one of facing and tackling adversities and challenges over and over. And one of those, as he admits, was not having the best understanding of what it meant to be a student athlete. I wasn't mature enough to handle the rigors of being a Division I college football player and a Division I student. McCants is a behemoth of a man. During his playing days, he was listed as standing six feet five inches tall and weighing nearly 310 pounds. If not the biggest kid in his classes growing up, he was always one of them. Still, he didn't play football until late in high school. For Matt, his journey to UAB was far from typical. And while he grew up in Mobile, his story starts in Opelika, Alabama. When I was born, my biological mom she was married, she had an affair on her husband, and she had two kids already with her husband and ended up getting pregnant with me and kind of had a decision to make. And it was a, a big ordeal, but long story short, she had to give me up for adoption. And my parents in Mobile, who were married in 1972, they couldn't have kids of their own. And so how everything works out is the things that go on in our life that are out of our control, we can't really truly focus on them, but focusing on the things that we can control. And and I feel like with my situation and how everything came about, everything was really ordained. The family that I was adopted by, I, it was such a loving home, was such, a, a, such a, a gracious environment to grow and everything worked out, I mean, for the best that it could out of the situation that I was born in. And so just very thankful and, and grateful for my parents. Um, I grew up in Mobile and growing up, I was almost forbid to play football by my mom because she was afraid I would get hurt. She was a very protective woman and she really treasured me because she couldn't have kids on her own. And when she finally was able to get her, her you know, the son that she wanted, that she always dreamed of. She was very protective of me. Like I said, I was in the marching band and I couldn't play football, but 
well, that was my first love was the band and I really enjoyed that. But being six six, two hundred and eighty pounds in a marching band in high school really wasn't, you know, ideal from a from a football coach's standpoint. So I was always uh asked to come play and, you know, I always had to have the same answer. You know, my mom, she doesn't want me to play. She's afraid I'm gonna get hurt. I did that all the way up until my junior year. And when my junior year came, kind of was tired of the ridicule almost and everybody asking me when I was going to play, when I was going to play. And so with it being my kind of last year, really achieved everything that I feel like I could achieve in the band, I decided to go out for football. And I had, and that was a long story trying to convince my mom to go play football and, and, after, and after all this time. So... Was the adoption, was it prearranged so your adoptive parents got you the day you were born? Or how did that kind of... No, out? yeah, they it wasn't prearranged. I had to go through foster care. I had to go through, I want to say two years, maybe two and some change of foster care, you know, whatever, you know, foster home, adoption agents, whatever it was. And my parents was able to get me, I was born in 89. I was adopted in 92. Yeah, and so was able to be with them. And from that standpoint, my mom, she, like I said, was really protective over, over me. And I really had to truly convince her to let me play. And her only stipulation was, you know, I'll let you play, but you can't get hurt. You can't get hurt. And that was, I mean, that was echo. I mean, she was adamant about that. And I promised her, I said, mom, I won't get hurt. I'm the biggest kid. You won't have to worry about that. I could take care of myself. And I kid you not, my very first practice, and I have no really idea of how to play offensive line, what to do, and so I'm kind of just out there blind. And on my very first play, I had no kind of awareness or how to block, and I just had my hands in this kind of old school position, and the defensive uh, back came up and he put his helmet right on my, my forearm and broke it. Oh, no. And so once I broke my arm, I mean, it was just literally kind of a, a surreal moment because the moment I broke my arm, I really kind of had a out-of-body experience of my mom just berating me and telling me I told you so. And I just knew what was to be expected, but what snapped me out of reality and, and really just lit the fire up under me that I still have to this day was when I broke my arm, all the football players who were on the team at that time, they started telling me, I told you so, and, and you should have stayed in the band where it's safe. And they, and they said all these things. And that fire that lit that day was just a roaring blaze because I made in my mind then, no matter what happens, I could never quit and I could never give in to someone else's opinion of me because deep down inside, I knew what type of person I was. And I knew that even though I was behind the eight ball and all these things happened, that if I stuck in there and I hung in there, that things would get better. And so I had to go home and tell my mom that I broke my arm and I had to hear I told you so. And she didn't want me to come back and play. But I told, I told her, I said, Mom, if I don't come back and play, then I'll always be a quitter. The thing that, that kind of 
was really a, a, a turning point in my life, even though I broke my arm, was after my arm had healed and I was ready to resume playing, I was not starting at the time. The offensive coordinator told me that he wanted to start a freshman who was in front of me because he had four years to develop him and he only had 10 games to develop me, which I understood as an older player and I kind of got it and I, I waited to the last moment and, and that, that was all fine and dandy in my head because the only thing that I was concerned about was gaining the respect of my peers. And so every day that was my mindset, that was my focus. Every time I went to practice, I truly just wanted to get better and prove that I belonged to those same guys who told me I didn't belong. As the seventh game of the season arrived, we're playing our rival, and I'm sitting on the sideline as always. I don't even have my helmet. And I'm just enjoying the game. I'm, I'm cheering my, my teammates on, and we're going down to score. When we score, the guy that's playing my position, he, he's running off the field, and he does sort of a chest bump. But you, you know, we've all seen celebrations, guys jump up with a chest bump. Well, when he came down, he tore his ACL, MCL, I mean, just tore wow. every ligament up in his knee. As I'm watching this moment, and all I hear is kind of just this, this chant, like, McCann's, McCann's. And I'm like, not even paying attention because I'm looking at, I'm looking at the player and he's on the ground and all of a sudden I just hear, McCann's. It was just kind of like a surreal moment. McCann's, you're in, get in. I didn't even know what my helmet was. You know, I hadn't played in some games and I had no idea and I was in the band and I, I just really never had no idea of playing and I was thrust into that action. But even though my heart was pounding on my chest like the old school cartoon Wally the Coyote, it was a calmness that kind of came over me because even though I had not played in a game, every day I prepared to play in the game, not even knowing. If you're not in a position yet, prepare for that moment because you never know, because you never want that opportunity to meet you and you not be prepared for it. Let me ask you this, you know, you're a big dude. I mean, <laughs> there's no qualms around it. No. When did you really start growing? Well, I was always the biggest kid in my class, even from preschool, kindergarten on, I was always the biggest kid in the school by far. I was in the band from middle school on while everybody played football and, and did all these other things. I was in the marching band, but I was content and I loved it. And I still I still love the band. I still play uh, my tuba. Um, that's the instrument I played. My wife bought me a tuba probably about three or four years ago. So I still play it and I, I still have a, a love that's, I mean, I really can't explain. You go from marching on the field at mm -hmm. half times and in competitions to actually competing with football. Was there mm -hmm. anything you could take from the days of actually marching with footwork and all that and apply it to football? I always credit me having good footwork to being in the marching band because what the marching band teaches you is to have rhythm, to be able to play an instrument and be able to move on beat in a rhythmic cadence is pretty tough. And so what goes on is you're able to incorporate certain muscles, breathing techniques, you're using your diaphragm. And now all those skills transition 
in my opinion, quite well to playing offensive line. I can't speak for any other position, but when you think about playing offensive line, you have to have a, a braced core because a lot of times you're moving backwards in pass protection where you got a guy that's moving forward. And so the ability to be able to brace comes from the ability to be able to control your diaphragm. And so being able to do that subconsciously was a great benefit. So my high school marching band was, was similar to that of uh, Alabama State or uh, Jackson State. We were high-stepping, fast. So you had to really be able to move at a, a high speed but still be on beat. And so that's all about pass protection and footwork in general is just being on beat, having rhythm, having balance, having a base. Your senior season is the first year you played football. Mm -hmm. You didn't even really get on the field until game seven, eight, nine, and into the playoffs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once you finally got on, what kind of performance did you have? What were your teammates thinking? What were your coaches thinking? I had success uh, because I was getting better in practice. Now, my first day of practice versus when I finally was able to get into the game due to injury was night and day. I was a totally different player. You don't have the access to YouTube back then as, as you do now or the recruiting mm -hmm. services. You don't have any film on tape. Yep. How did you get recruited? And that's what I always say. Some things are just divine. I went to high school with Nick Fairley, who played at the University of Auburn and was a uh, top 15 pick, I mean, was won a national championship, was highly recruited. So me and him came out the same class. And when college coaches would come see him, they would notice who's this other six, six, two-eyed, some change guy. And, you know, the coaches would always tell him, you know, he hadn't played much football. He's raw, not strong, all these things. And so a lot of the big schools who are looking for kind of more polished players were kind of like, ah, maybe if he would have came out sooner or maybe we'd take him as a walk-on. But UAB was an upcoming program at the time, had just had a coaching change, hired Neil Calloway, who was the offensive coordinator at Georgia. They were scrambling, trying to find anybody. I was fortunate enough to be around a, a great player who was highly recruited at the time. And fortunate enough that UAB was going through that change at that time and I was able to be on their radar. So it, it all worked out. The learning curve, obviously, from going to marching band to high school football is one thing, but going high school football to college football after only a handful of games had to have been a challenge for you. Uh, it was the toughest, one of the toughest challenges that I've ever experienced in my life. When I first got to UAB, they had a predestined plan for me. They wanted to redshirt me. They had no intent of me playing because in their mind, we're gonna take this kid, develop him, fresh out the band. We got some time. You know, they wasn't looking for me to play. Myself being a competitor, only thing it takes for me is just a little ammunition or somebody telling me they don't believe in me or somebody doubting me. And I distinctly remember uh, going into the, the offensive staff room and I saw my name on the board and I saw five names in front of me. And I was literally the sixth guy on wow. the depth chart. 
when you look at it like that, I really want to show these people who I am. And that was just my mindset. And so even though I was the sixth screen tackle, in my mind, I prepared as if I was the first team tackle. And, and I took that same approach every day to workouts, every day to practice and fall count. And I just saw my name start to rise up that depth chart. I worked my way up to the second team. Now I'm behind the starter who's, who's been there. He's a junior. He's been there for a while. And we're doing a scrimmage. And I want to say it's the last scrimmage before we're scheduled to play Michigan State, who's our opener that year. And I'm on the sideline, same scenario, watching them, watching them, and gets hurt on a just a routine, freaky play, hurts his knee. And the name you hear is McCants, you're in. And I had been preparing like a starter that whole time. Even though I was on the I was a sixth man on the depth chart. I've never not prepared like I wasn't the guy. I never not believed that I wasn't the guy. I was ready. And so was able to start Michigan State, Florida State, that whole freshman year, I was able to be a starter. So you wound up starting four years at UAB? I started four years. And now what goes into that was I started my freshman year, but I wasn't mature enough to handle the rigors of being a Division One college football player and a Division One student. I had to learn quick that just because you play football doesn't mean you don't go to class and you don't try to be the best that you can be. And and I had to learn quick. And I I was in I was in academic I was academically ineligible my second year. I had to sit out. You go from experience the highs of a high as a true freshman starter to now I'm academically ineligible. And I'm really back at the bottom of the totem pole because. When you're academically ineligible, you're almost an afterthought. You can't really contribute. The only thing you can do is practice. I mean, you're in the doghouse because, you know, your grades are bad. And, and I really had a tall task to get back eligible. I had a 1.7-some-odd GPA, and I had to be at a 2.0 by the end of the semester. The only thing that I asked was, what do I need not? you know, how hard it's going to be. I knew it was going to be challenging. The only thing that I asked was, okay, what do I need to do to be able to make this 2-0? And so when I met with my academic counselor, when she said, Matt, basically you have to make all A's. And so once I was tasked with the mission, and even though how daunting it may have seemed, I knew I have my target and I got my scope and I got my sights locked up that I was going to, achieve it no matter what and I always tell people the desire that you have if that's high nobody can never stop you I don't care how, how tough it is and even though I had to make all A's in five classes I wasn't deterred by no means because I knew what I wanted to do did that period just make you even more hungry to get back on the field and succeed it, it did because what happened was and I always tell people, you got to have a why, a reason that that keeps you up late at night, something that, that holds you accountable. And my why was my parents. When my parents that year explained to me how disappointed they, they were, not upset, not angry, but in a, a, a more disappointed mindset, that really 
hurt more than you can ever imagine because when a person is disappointed, their expectations of you didn't meet the standards that they knew that you were capable of. And my parents knew that I was capable of so much more. That was the turning point in myself to realize that it was my responsibility every day to be the best version of myself no matter what because I never wanted to, my parents to feel that way ever again. From the time that you decided to transition from band to football, did you ever think you'd have the success that you did personally because you wound up being all-conference CUSA two times? Not in any means when I first got out from the band, and especially when I broke my arm, did I ever dream of you know, being successful as being as successful as I was. The only thing that changed was the moment after like I was I was I became a different person after I broke my arm because after I broke my arm and like the ridicule that I faced from my teammates, that was a feeling that I can't even explain because it was like a burning feeling to prove somebody wrong, man, because I felt like they didn't know who I was. That never left my mind. Like even when I was at UAB, I would always think back to those high school players who said I didn't belong. And so I just, even when I was in the NFL, I, I always would think back to those same high school guys who told me I didn't belong. And I never let those guys fall from my mind because that hurt what they said. It hurt so bad that it was a motivating hurt. Like a, I want to prove you wrong hurt. And just I always carried that chip on my shoulder everywhere I, everywhere I went. You bounced around a little bit in the NFL. You got in, uh, I think, 30-plus games of action. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like for you? Do you wish it would have went differently, or are you happy with how it went? I'm, I'm happy about how it went because my story in the NFL was my story my whole career because I was always doubted everywhere. Every, every chance in the NFL, every opportunity that I got, there was always initial doubt. Even though there was initial doubt, I always proved that I belonged. And so from the first moment that I, I, I stepped on the football field in high school to that first moment in UAB, to the first moment in college, I mean, uh, the NFL, everybody has these, they read your book, right? They, they, don't, they don't open it, they look at the cover. And it's cliche, but you can never judge a book by its cover. And everybody's going to see he was in a band or when you get to the NFL, he went to UAB. And so that's how it was. It was kind of like a double whammy. Like you went to UAB, which wasn't, you know, the UAB that we, we have today. And everybody said, well, you went to UAB, a small school, and you were in the band. Kind of just automatically put a knock on me. And... To make it to make it harder and make it worse was when I first got to the NFL, I did not have success at all. I got drafted by the Giants in 2012, the year right after they won the Super Bowl, and it was a learning curve like you can never imagine. It was bigger than me coming out of the band playing football the first time, breaking my arm. It was bigger than that. The thing that I always say is, man, in anything in life, you just gotta have resilience because even though I had zero success at first, and literally every sports writer and fan was telling, was on Twitter telling me that, man, I suck, and I'll never play another down in the NFL and all these things. I knew that time takes care of everything. And if you put in the work, eventually you'll 
get to where you want to go. And I just always just was my mindset that if I work hard, I'll, I'll get to where I need to go. The average NFL career is like three, three and a half years. And here you are, mm-hmm. you spent closer to a decade playing football. So you kind of proved yeah. a lot of people wrong just from where yeah. you started to where you finished. Yeah. Because I always knew that the common denominator was how hard are you willing to work? It's simple about just sowing and reaping. Like what you put in is what you get out. I knew that if I dedicated myself to my craft, if I put the work in that success follows and that's in any model. If you want to be, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or mechanic, whoever, whoever puts in the most work, those are the guys that are the most successful and who have the long careers and be able to sustain it. I was just always my mindset that I was behind that eight ball and I had to work harder than everybody else just to catch up. You got a chance a few years ago to come back to your alma mater, come back to mm-hmm. UAB as a coach. What was that like, being able to return to Birmingham? It was surreal. I was so thankful to Coach Clark for allowing me to be able to come back because when I was done playing, I was in basically search mode. I did a few things here and there, but none of it was fulfilling. I always enjoyed coaching in the aspect of being able to help somebody figure it out. Because I've always had people who extended their hand out or wrapped their arm around me and kind of guided me along the path that I needed to go. And so being able to come back, be in the same environment that these kids see every day, walk these same halls, walk walk these same trails, and have gone to the spot and place that I, all these kids dream of going and kind of least, and kind of coming back and giving them a blueprint of how I, that's the most fulfilling thing that I can I can say man that I'm thankful for because it comes full circle when you're able to come back see these kids in your shoes and really kind of guide them and help them in the ways that you stumbled in That's so fulfilling to me. That's Matt McCants, a 2011 graduate of the College of Arts and Sciences, where he earned his bachelor's degree. A seven-year NFL veteran, Matt is now UAB football's director of character development. A two-time first-team all-conference USA offensive lineman for the green and gold, Matt definitely has a great idea of what it means to be a Blazer. To me, being a blazer means being a trendsetter, being someone who is fearless to achieve their objective, who goes after their goals with tenacious vigor and a never quit attitude. A blazer to me is someone who cannot easily be denied and whose vision and focus on that goal can never be knocked off the path that they're on. Because when you're a blazer, you're blazing a trail with fire and you're able to lead away and allow others to follow you. Be sure to check out past episodes of the UAB Green and Told podcast. Listen in at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold. Have a story to share or know someone who does? Email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on social media, 
Just search UAB Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and until next time, Go Blazers!